Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It is a beautiful, sunny summer's day here in Ireland, in Dublin. It's warm. The sun is out. There isn't a cloud in the sky. And I can't open the window while I'm recording because outside my house, there are people digging up the roads with diggy machines and angle grinders and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I've spent the entire day listening to construction noises, which is a like we only get two days of summer a year. This day of all days, they they decide to do this kind of work. So I'm sitting in my office, can't open the window, lest the pristine sound of this podcast be disturbed by machines making dust that's what they're doing out there they're making dust (sighs) anyway look it's been uh what kind of a week has it been it's been uh well a quiet week it started with some excitement because we had kieran tierney and the links to him and well it looked like it was all going to go through and here we are almost a week later And not much has happened apart from Celtic turning down a second bid, apparently. We went in with £15 million, and of course, we upped the ante in a big way by bidding £15 million and £1. We've got a long way to go to get this negotiation over the line. Um, And not much else has happened. There's been a bit about William Saliba, about how we're going to buy him and then loan him back for a year, a £25 million player. And again, every time I talk about this and talk about transfers, I just want to make it clear, I know that you don't just pay the whole transfer fee off in one go. I'm aware of that. I think everybody's aware of that. But every time you mention transfers at the moment, people keep saying, well, you know, we don't pay it all in one go. Yes. Yes, I I am aware. In fact, I might even get a range of merchandise, mugs and caps and T-shirts and actually not caps. I don't want to get involved in the the cap racket. Nobody needs that. But T-shirts with something on it like, uh, yes, I am aware the transfer fees are highly complex deals structured in a way which sees the buying club pay the transfer fee over a period of time in installments. A nice, snappy catchphrase to put on a T-shirt, or not a cap, uh, but a mug. Um, So we'll we'll wait and see what happens with William Saliba. It would be very Arsenal, however you want to look at the deal. And I, you know, I think it's exciting if we're signing a really talented young French central defender and we think he's going to be the absolute business. I don't really have any problem with that kind of a deal per se. If we want to secure the services of this player and this is the only way in which we can do it, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's the only way we can do it. I suspect if you were to say to Saint-Étienne, here's a few more pounds, let's have him now, 
they would be inclined to accept those pounds. That's, that's all I'm saying. But, you know, if this is what we have to do to get the player, then great. But wouldn't it be the most Arsenal thing of all time to buy a central defender in a transfer window where we really, really need central defenders and then we loan him back to the club we bought him from despite giving them money to pay for the player which eats into our already meagre transfer budget? It's very Arsenal. It's very Arsenal. In the long term, we might be delighted that we did it this way. But in the very short term, while we're waiting for news about defensive recruitments and defensive reinforcements, that would be that would be a bit of a, a thing, an Arsenal thing. However, there was some good news on the defensive front. There was. If you listen to David Ornstein on the BBC the other night, he provided an update on one of our central defenders, which I think most people will be relatively glad to hear. Unai Emery, who had always put his faith in Skodran Mustafi, uh, despite a number of high-profile um, uh, mistakes, decided enough was enough with him and that he is no longer uh, in favour of keeping him. No longer in favour of keeping him. No, 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 no longer in favour of keeping him. No, no. No, 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 no longer in favour of keeping him. No, 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 not this fucking time, no fucking way, no fucking way, no longer in favour of keeping him. Can I get down so I like the way you work No no longer in favor of keeping him okay okay you get the idea but um as i'm sitting here on thursday recording this podcast for you to listen to on friday or whenever it is you're you're going to get around to listen to it news is breaking well i don't know if it's really breaking but a story has appeared on a turkish website that Fenerbahce are interested in signing Shkodran Mustafi. Uh, Damien Kamoli, who is the sporting director there, who you might remember was part of Arsene Wenger's staff some years ago, uh, he's doing his bit there, and he has apparently contacted the player's agent to see if he's open for a move. Arsenal, as we know, would be willing to sell him. Fenerbahce, Mustafi, Arsenal, what a delicious cocktail that would be for all of us. I say this, though, with a caveat that stuff that appears on Turkish websites and Turkish football websites in particular tends to be just an extra bit more spurious than the transfer stuff we get elsewhere. So don't get your hopes up too high, but maybe, maybe there's something going on. Right, let's crack on with the show and joining me for a bit of a chat and to answer some questions from our Discord server, which is available to Arsblog members on Patreon, uh, is my Arsblog News colleague, Andrew Allen. Andrew, hello to you. Hey there. Uh, also the uh, the co-host of a brand new podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as if being invited on here wasn't enough, I decided to take on another project with, a, with an old friend, uh, Left Field Podcast. Um, we kind of talk about football you know what i found really interesting and i don't want to go into too much detail here i spent all of my time watching arsenal and realized i basically don't know anything about any other sports anymore and 
when you start doing a sports podcast, you suddenly realise that. And basically the premise is I don't really know much about stuff that goes on outside of Arsenal and I'm right. now being educated by someone else and we discuss it every week. Okay, you're being educated or put in your box or whatever it is. I used yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, I used to... I'm the same. I used to know a lot more about other sports than I do. And I, I think... I think in some ways it's not so much that I watch too much Arsenal or spend too much time on Arsenal, even though that's probably true. I think it's to do with the broadcasting world we live in. Like, yeah, I mean, you have to have about five subscriptions to like be able to watch stuff. Exactly. I mean, everything used to be on BBC or ITV uh, and RTE, if you were in Ireland, and the most exotic it got was Eurosport, which had like the Tour de France during the summer. But I can remember, I don't know where I had the time, but I can I'm remember that... just sitting watching the Tour de France for hours. There More they go. Anything, I found the time to be the issue, right? I yeah. mean, especially when there's like four or five major tournaments going on simultaneously. Mm. Um, I haven't quite got to Tim Stillman levels of like five different computers in front of me. Um, but I'm just trying to dip in and out. And even just doing that is actually quite tiring. So, yeah, yeah we'll see. It's fun. It's fun. It's nice sort of getting involved in sports I hadn't touched for a while. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Yeah. So give it a listen if you want to If you want to listen to me not knowing that much about other sports. Yeah. I will. I will give it a try now that you've, I hope, sorted out your microphone technique and sound issues. Uh, I see. I knew you'd get to this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're going to have to work on the sound. We, uh, we, we we pondered. Well, actually, we did, we did a pilot episode in a studio with a producer. Mm. The sound quality was fantastic. Yeah. But we didn't have a fucking clue what we were doing. And then we realized that we're not going to spend 80 quid a week not knowing what we're doing. So we're going to go back to basics, record it in a small glass box, and I will sit closer to the microphone and try and get the sound to be better. Can I just, you know, the the, the, the main flaw in this is the glass box. Yes. Glass is not a good a good yeah. thing for recording sound. This is no, why... We're, we're weighing up duvets over us or something, anything to suck up the sound. <laughs> a microphone each, by the way. That's what you need as well, just in case. That, that will... Yeah, when the budget stretches to a microphone each, we'll definitely take it up. Uh, just your quick thoughts this evening on the news uh, that uh, I mentioned it just before we started chatting about Shkodran Mustafi attracting infra interest rather from Fenerbahce. That's some yeah, good news. fantastic, isn't it? I just opened a bottle of champagne. Yeah. I've been, so I was saving it for after the Europa League final, and finally I have a reason. So, um, yeah. You, you probably did, actually, did you? I did actually have a bottle of champagne ready for after the Europa League final, yeah. Um, and have you I, opened I, it this evening? I haven't evening? opened it this evening, oh, no. Okay. I mean, not until that fucker is gone. Like, I want to see pictures of him in Istanbul. He's going to have a good time there. I think well, he's yeah. going to have a good time. And I, mean, I, I wish him well. Wherever he goes, I wish him well. I'm, look, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I just don't I'm not sure see, about that. I don't want to see his ass on the Emirates turf mm. anymore. Yeah, I'm done. I think that's a reasonable thing as an Arsenal fan to want. Yes, less arse sliding from our uh, central defenders would be a good thing. So let's start with some of the questions. A nice easy one uh, from CookieWookie87 who says, you've been talking a lot how Stan is bad for the club, but what kind of owner would you like to have? Are there any good references? I mean, the owner I would like to have is like, I don't know, the wealthiest man in the world who's also <laughs> kind and good and not evil like most billionaires, some kind of philanthropist who really, really 
wants Arsenal to be the best thing ever because he's an Arsenal fan and is willing to pay whatever it takes to make us the dominant force in not just European football, but world football and possibly galactic football as and when that becomes a thing. That's who I would like. I'm not sure that that person is out there. I mean, maybe if we like win the lottery repeatedly, we could take over. I mean, I would then give some money away, but mm. not so much that I would be as philanthropic that I didn't have a, a decent transfer budget. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, like you, I, I looked a little bit at the Liverpool situation at the tail end of this season, right? And they seem to have an owner who got it a little bit. I'm not saying that he was like, you know, the most wonderful example of ownership in the world of football but he seemed like he kind of had a pretty clear idea about what he wanted from the club he Mm. put a manager in who gave a shit he put some money behind that manager and he kind of bought into the idea that actually the fans are a really important part of that journey you know when it came to like changing the stadium they decided to stay at Anfield they expanded it. I don't know. I just I just felt like they bought into it a little bit more than Stan ever has. Yeah, there was a um, connection. Remember when we tried to um, to sign Luis Suarez and he was like, what are they smoking there mm. at the Emirates? I mean... We just He just strikes me as someone who pays attention. Well, yeah. At the moment, I'd like someone who pays a bit more attention. Yeah. yeah you know, just that is something fans can get behind because you're... Exactly. Not that you're bantering off another club or, or anything like that, but... You know, fans can connect with that. They can't connect with someone else telling you that the owner is really, really ambitious. Mm. That's, you know, nobody believes that. And nobody I don't, I don't need Stan to kind of run onto the centre of the pitch at Arsenal and start singing the Wonder of You or something at the top of his voice. Like, all I need is for him to pay a bit of attention and to maybe not just hide behind all these people that seem to be doing work for him. Mm. I hate that. I hate the fact that he's just like talking to Arsenal fans and being part of it all seems like a bit of a pain in the ass for him. Like, I mean, the whole, like, every time he used to turn up at the AGM, which obviously won't happen anymore, but, like, it always looked like a pain in the ass. And you're kind of like, you fucking bought us. What What did you, like, this is the yeah. minimum you can do. Yeah, come yeah. over, like, once or twice a season. Um, yeah. To, yeah, like, I read mean, out a statement. Exactly. Sit there with a face like a slapped arse, uh, as they said. I do remember my favourite sto- uh, Stan Kroenke story was how he left a game at half time because it was cold. <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, it does get cold in London sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, that's but not he's, a in, he's from well, like he spent so much time where in Denver, in Colorado, it gets cold there. <laughs> they were skiing there. Maybe that's why he's going to LA. He just yeah, can't stand true. the cold. He's got some kind of thin blood or something. Um, but I, I don't know what if there are any kind of good billionaires i mean the thing is that you look around europe and you see kind of nutters like the guy who owns napoli who just seems you know what's his name aurelio de Laurentiis or something you know he's a kind mm. of real passionate local guy who just really gets behind the club and he lives it like a fan does and you kind of think oh that would be nice but he also strikes me as being a bit of a slimy you know mm. a nasty piece of work there's a the fellow at leon always used to sort of be the guy who you know sometimes when you see the transfer stories come out and it's always like the the owner seems to somehow be involved mm. um that guy's a that goes a bit too far for me. I don't, I don't need them like running the rule over every single player, but you know somewhere in between that would be useful. Yeah, 
It would be. Anything, anything at all from uh, KSE or, or Kroenke um, to, to suggest they give half a shit would be, would mm. be very welcome. Um, Rick Stomatic wants to know, which star, if any, would you be willing to sell to land Zaha? So let, let, let's see, who, are, who would you consider a star at Arsenal? Oh, uh, Aubameyang, Lacazette... Is Ozil still a star? I mean, he is a star. I mean, he's, he's on star wages. I mean, he makes the most sense to to, to get shot off, right? I mean, mm. Mkhitaryan's on star wages. He is. Mkhitaryan's on a lot. He's on so much money. A lot like, of that, money. I mean, as, as football deals go, that Alexis Mkhitaryan swap deal really will end up, I think, the stuff of legend. I mean, yeah. who was the agent at the centre of that? Uh, Mino Raiola. Man, I mean that. Well, guy, he's Mkhitaryan's agent, and then Sanchez's agent was, you know, the the I can't remember his name now, but you know, he he obviously was uh, brilliant yeah. at his job, considering the deal he got them. Uh, he got Sanchez at Manchester United, so he had two agents who looked at this and went, "Oh my God, we mm. are gonna fucking screw both these clubs so hard." <laughs> And they did. So if, if, if you consider like wage packet has an impact on star quality, I think it would be, for me, it would be either Ozil or Mkhitaryan to get Zaha. I, I, would, go, I would go Mkhitaryan first. I think Mickey, he seems like a lovely man. Bye-bye. Mm. Ozil. And then... Uh, I don't think I'd sell like anyone I'd else in the Aubameyang squad. I would let go before Lacazette just because of the age thing, mm. even though I know that he scores more goals, he's more deadly and all the rest of it. But. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sell Aubameyang to bring in Zaha, and I wouldn't sell Lacazette to bring in Zaha, but I certainly would move on Mkhitaryan if it helped in that way. I mean, I Zaha's a decent player, but he's not £80 million worth of a decent no, player. No, of course he's not. Of course he's not. But that price is predicated on the fact that uh, Crystal Palace, you know, it's two Premier League clubs uh, yeah. involved and also the fact that Crystal Palace are, are going to have £50 million in their pocket. If they didn't have yeah. £50 million from Juan Bissaka, then chances are, if they were looking to raise some money, uh, Zaha would be cheaper. But when you've got that much money burning a hole in your pocket, then you can just say, fuck it. I mean, we didn't really shop in the Premier League before and I don't think we will until we're in the Champions League again. I think it's simple. I mean, I think the Premier League is too expensive for us. It's Waitrose and Who? we are we're we're back at Tesco Express. Who's the last player we brought in of any significance from a Premier League club apart from well, the Qatarian? Is it well? Yeah, that's it. It's probably yeah, probably. I, wow. I, I mean, we just—it's we, not really a market that we do business in. So whenever I see rumours linking us with Premier League players, I know it's slightly different with Fraser, who's a bit further down the pecking order and stuff. But I just—a bit like when it was whenever we were linked with a player from Italy during the Wenger years, you knew it was bollocks because we never bought in Italy. He just didn't buy Italian players. Petr Cech. Yeah. Again, Petr free. Like, oh. Well, no, he was ten million pounds. Really? Yeah. He spent ten million pounds on Petr Cech. 12 points a season, though, eh? Mm. <laughs> uh, before that, it was Danny Welbeck. Yeah. Matthew Debushi. Callum oh. Chambers, we, we brought in from Southampton. Yeah. I mean, we start going back to Theo, don't we? I mean, it's, and uh, then I'm just going yeah, through the, the list here. I'm going through the list. I mean, Ben Ayun, Mikel Arteta. That's how far back you're going then. 
Oxlade yeah. Chamberlain. I mean, it, like I said, it's just not a market we do business in. No, I don't see that changing much this summer, to be honest. Um, no, no, not not the moment. Stephen Haynes asks uh, the age profile and potential of all our targets have been spot on, but how dependent are we on moving out the deadwood like Mustafi to make these deals happen? And if so, will this mean we'll be waiting till the end of the window to see a lot of our business get done? I think. Yeah, we're, I mean, I think loads of business get good. It's all going to get pushed right to the very end. You know, a lot of people were saying, what happened to um, the arsenal of last summer that was really efficient in the way that it did its business? I, mean, I think our our incoming business was more or less finished by the first week or second week in July. And that was it. We were done. It, you know, we brought in the five players. And I know circumstances are a bit different this summer, but it's hard not to see the correlation. Is it between last year when we had a head of recruitment identifying players to bring in, working with the club from November right through uh, the second half of the season until the summer. We got these deals done. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. There was very little fuss about them. We knew who, who we were getting. They all went through in the end, and we were all happy with the efficiency of that business. And then this time around, our head of recruitment has been shafted since the end of last year. He left in January or February, and we have not had a head of recruitment identifying players and targets to bring in. And so far, we haven't done a single thing in the transfer market. I know this kid, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, is, is coming in, um, and there's some suggestion he's in London at the moment, and that could be announced you know, maybe early next week, something like that. But it's hard not to draw a correlation between the fact that we don't have a head of recruitment and the mm. fact that we're not recruiting. I mean, I, I mean, not only did we not have that, I mean, I also feel like we didn't, I mean, we didn't really have a manager. So basically the people making the decisions just made the decisions and they had, didn't have to go through the complicated process of really getting it signed off by someone. Because mm. I really felt like Emery just kind of went, yeah, cool, whatever you guys think. I mean, I've barely been here for five minutes. Just do it. We'll figure it out. This year, I feel like, you know, Emery, as we already showed in January, has a pretty clear idea about some of the players he wants. I and mean, he very much wanted Denis Suarez. And I think a lot of other deals went to the, you know, went to the side because he wanted Suarez more than anyone else. Mm. And I imagine this year that he's probably got a say. I mean, especially without Edu taking on the role just yet. And obviously Sven going back in, what, February? So, I mean, I, you know, I think, I think there's just an extra voice in there. And obviously the changeover in the whole structure, I mean, everything a bit haywire yeah I mean did you read the bit from David Ornstein where he was talking about the guy at Stat DNA yes yeah yeah Jason um, Rosenfeld Jason Rosenfeld and what he was saying um, you know Jason Rosenfeld is basically the guy who created Stat DNA um, David Ornstein says he's very big on statistics. He runs the numbers on these players. And I was told uh, on Zaha there were differences of opinion on his physical stats. So how are you going to find a consensus before you even go and begin to negotiate for a player? Because there is uh, Raul Sanyehi, there is uh, Franny Kajigao, there is um, maybe Edu from a distance, maybe not. There's Unai Emery and his staff would be involved. Uh, Hosfami, who is the, the contracts guy who is involved. Yeah. I think Per Mertesacker is on the football executive committee. Whether he has a, a role in the recruitment or not, I'm not 100% sure. But it feels a bit like too many chiefs, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of a moot point with Zaha, right? I mean, that may well have been something we were working on mm. ahead of getting spanked in Baku. But, I mean, quite frankly, yeah. as soon as we lost that game, he's out the window. You can take that discussion off the table anyway. Turn your attention to someone else, Ryan yeah. Fraser. You know, I mean, it's kind of... It's, it, 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 but it's true, yeah. I mean, I guess extra voices, people having opinions, people talking about stats, people talking about gut feelings, people talking about what they've seen with their own eyes. I mean, you know, football's changed. And it, I guess it, it, the natural progression is to move to a more scientific-based thing. But if there are people who have made their careers for 20 years in the game who haven't had that behind them the whole time, then they're obviously going to think in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's it's kind of like a growing pain situation. I'm I'm sure in the future at some point it'll be done by robots, like Arsene always said would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Team will be picked by robots and the substitutions will be done uh, at halftime on yeah. social media by a Twitter poll. Great. Uh, I mean, we win. Yeah, I'm loving the, I'm <laughs> loving the, uh, the, the soundscape of this podcast, talking uh, to you, the window. You know it is. I realized just now the window's not closed. And the, the window's Britain, definitely not closed. And okay. are, you, are you on a flight path somewhere as well? Yeah. Brixton, yeah. basically, where I live is not just on a flight path. It's also on a road, which at the end of it has a very big hospital and A&E department. And right. Quite a lot of people get stabbed in London these days. And almost all of their ambulances mm. go past my house. I'm going to shut the window. Okay. That's yeah. fine. I mean, you can leave it open if you want. If it's warm and you want to leave the window open, I, I quite like the atmosphere. So whatever you like. He's gone to shut now. the window. He's gone to shut the window. Okay. <laughs> it's this level of pro- professionalism that you won't get on the left field podcast. I'd have left that open. Okay. Well, yeah. good. That's fine. You know, sometimes it's good to have the window open so you know what's coming um, just in case. <laughs> but there you go. Okay. Uh, Bittersweet Tim says, in case of youth development, would it be enough to sign Saliba and Tierney? Don't forget Martinelli. Uh, if not, which position do you want to upgrade? I'm not quite sure what the question means exactly there. In the case of youth development, I mean, is does that... Does that mean if we're going to bring through a lot of young players, are those three signings enough? Maybe that's what it is. I mean, if we're going to turn towards youth, then obviously we have to bring in some young players. That's a decent start. Fine. I mean, it does look like the most solid transfer rumours that we've had so far this summer have been the Schubert goalkeeper guy. He's only 21. Mm. Um, Saliba, Tierney, Martinelli. So that's four very young players under the age of 22. Fantastic. Great. But quite frankly, if you expect them, all four of them, I mean, with Saliba, it doesn't even sound like he's going to be in the team or even at Arsenal for a year. It doesn't really, I don't think it's necessarily going to solve some of the big problems that we have in this squad. You know, we know we have to get rid of players as well. It does definitely feel like we are entering now a period of proper flux. Yeah, go on. No, I mean, I, I, I genuinely feel like we are now in danger not just of not being able to compete for the top four but we are going to have some real problems with teams behind us snapping our heels we looked at the you know the fixture list and you genuinely go through the whole list and think this is really tough go back to the squad i mean i just i i I think we're going to have a real problem getting rid of the players that we want to get rid of because they're on such high wages and 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 if we are going to turn to youth as soon as we do that they're still expensive i mean saliba's 25 Tierney could be up to 25. You know, that's that's 50 million quid dropped. Boom. Like, mm. that's more than we spent last year. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, okay, over the... Over the uh, of course, yeah, spit the, it out bit by bit. And- yeah, 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 I mean, that's fine. But yeah, no, I take your point. They're not cheap. Like, £25 million for a, an 18-year-old central mm. defender from France is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, and yeah, I do wonder if if they're investing for two seasons down the line rather than investing for now. I mean, that, um, I mean that's that's fine, but someone probably needs to communicate that, right? Mm. Because as soon as the season kicks off and if we lose a couple of games and we're battling down around sixth and seventh, that's, you know, the shit's going to hit the fan. The fans aren't going to just cope with the idea that we're writing off a couple of seasons. Yeah. People will not turn up. And that's already been happening for a couple of years. When the stadium empties out, we lose more money. We become a less attractive option. The atmosphere turns sour. I mean, one of the great things that Liverpool did this year was they made use of the home fans and the atmosphere. We don't have one at the moment and it's getting worse. And if we don't communicate that we're working to a three or four year project or something, it's just going to fall apart. Yeah, if, if, if yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if you're in the stadium or if you're watching on TV and you think that this is a club that is, okay, here's a clear defined plan and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it and we're going to have some ups and downs, at least that gives you something of a safety net. But if you're yeah. sitting there wondering, why are we doing this? Are we doing the youth thing just because there's not enough money? Because we've got no other way to fill out a squad? Is it because our owner, you know, simply will not invest in the squad, despite talking about how ambitious he is, he will not do anything to improve the level of the playing squad. If you're sitting there and you don't know, like lack of information means that people fill the gaps themselves. Mm. And we can all come to our own conclusions or different conclusions, but it's never healthy. It's never a good way to get everybody behind something because nobody's got any idea what they're supposed to get behind Be besides the very just the the ethereal nature of the club and Arsenal. That's why we're all here and that's what we're doing. But but what is it? I mean, if it's a project you think, is, is, does this mean that, you know, if we're going for a two-year rebuild, does that mean Unai Emery is the guy to, yeah, I mean, to do he, that he rebuild? I mean, I mean, he must be thinking, you know, I, I've missed out on my number one target for last season. I kind of have to do it this season, but you're asking me to do it with a bunch of kids. Is he buying into that? Like, because his head is on the chopping board as soon as mm. the shit hits the fan. His is the, he's, he's gone if we are struggling before Christmas, probably. I mean, I, I'm hoping that we give him a year and we try and see some sign of progress. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes at some point next season. Well, you know what? I, I wouldn't either. But if it was a case that we went into next season with just a load of kids and maybe one or two signings, I would have a great deal of sympathy for him. Yeah. Because I mean, he's he, been handed yeah. a very difficult, very difficult job. And that's not to, to overlook the mess he made at the end of last season uh, or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think when, when you come to a, a club like Arsenal, and he spoke to me in that El Mundo interview about, you know, trying to restore Arsenal to its position where it's one of Europe's most attractive clubs. You can't do that. Nobody can do that with forty million pounds. I mean, it, what are they talking this, about? And I think I, I mean, I think it shined through in 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 today's blog what you were talking about, which is the way that we fucked up the end of last season. I don't think it's really sunk in how important that's going to play out. I mean mm. that. The way those last five games played out for Arsenal Football Club has probably defined us for four or five years. 
potentially I actually, I actually think if we'd got into the champions league had a lot more money that you know i feel like there would have been an, an atmosphere change around the club mm. um i feel like it would have been a really nice little bump you know we could have written off the fact that we were in the europa league for a couple of years as a, as a kind of minor you know problem that you yeah. know was the natural cycle of a manager leaving and a new one coming in i think we're in trouble now yeah, I think I think that that end of season, rather than pull us out of the hole that we were in, the Europa League hole that we're in, just dug us further into it. We're we're now entrenched as yeah. a Europa League club. Um, well, you have to look at look at Manchester United. I mean, it's it's since Ferguson left, there's four out of the last six seasons that they they failed to get into the top four now, and they have loads more money than us, mm. and they're in a very similar situation in that they have a kind of structure from top to bottom, which is not really working for them. The fans are feeling less and less a part of the club. Um, and I, I feel like we're kind of echoing that. And there are other clubs who are doing their absolute best to spend money and not do that. Yeah. They're just slightly savvier than we are at the moment. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. H- hinders says, we've regretted not selling star players that refuse to re-sign when they've got two years left on their deal because their value declines. Is that scenario different or that different from not selling a 30-year-old who's a couple of years before their value declines? Is keeping 30-year-old Alba that different from, from keeping Alexis or Ramsey too long? I mean, I mean, yeah. I think maybe. I mean, we bought him knowing that he was on a three-year deal and he was going to turn 30 during that period is that what um, no we must have given him a longer contract than that did we no he's he's done by 2021 we signed so him in that? 28 no so maybe we did give him a four-year deal yeah but then we signed him in january so it's a three and a half year three deal, and right? a half year deal yeah yeah i mean i'm just looking at the players who have contracts expiring next season and actually it's only koshelny and i think maybe emil smith Rowe who I'm sure will get revised terms at some point. I think, did he not sign a well, new deal I'm before tra- he went I've, I've to... The, yeah, I've got transfer marks in front of me. I can't, it's, they, 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 they don't know. It looks like it's 2020, but I wouldn't be surprised if he signed something. But basically, we're covered for a year. Basically, Koscielny will go, he may even go this summer. Mm. But after that, we've then got Mustafi, Ozil, Mikatari, and Abamyang. So our three biggest earners... Probably Mustafi's up there, maybe even like the fourth or fifth biggest earner. We've mm. got four of our biggest earners all out of contract in 2021. Yeah, that could in some we, way explain the thinking behind signing. You know, are we pushing, kicking the can down the road? Well, none of those guys are going to get new contracts, I don't think. You might you might give Aubameyang a new contract now to nail him down for a couple of years and protect his value, but yeah. Ozil's not getting a new deal. Mustafi's definitely not getting a new deal. Mkhitaryan's not getting a new deal. No. Um, but at the same time, those players are probably looking at getting into their final year and being able to move off on a free again, right? Yeah, exactly. That's mm. that's the big problem. You know, if you're Mesut Ozil, um, you know, Arsenal's last chance to cash in on you is, uh, you know, is when you've got a year left. Look at when he signed his last contract. He mm. he had less than six months left, so he's quite prepared to go into the final year of his contract. And he can go on a Bosman and he can go somewhere else. Yeah, I think I think Ozil was looking to get to Turkey for, you know, 20, that, that summer of 2021. 2021, right? yeah. Long-term planning. Well done, Mesut. Um <laughs> 
Okay, McArtick, should Arsenal just buy a, a flock of magpies instead of hoping for real players? That's that's a Monday question. That's an Arsecast extra question. Uh, Ollie says, are we at risk of disregarding our own highly rated youth players in the pursuit of players elsewhere? A bit concerned how a 27 million uh, Saliba signing, 27 million, it was 25 million a couple of minutes ago. Wow. By the time this podcast ends, he'll be worth 40 million. He's uh, maturing. He is. <laughs> minute by minute. Um, he's wondering about how Saliba uh, and loan back leaves holding Mavropanos, Chambers, who could possibly have long-term Arsenal futures. I mean, I, I, I keep forgetting that Chambers is a is an Arsenal player. It's a really weird one. I, I mean, I think he's an eminently sellable asset that we could potentially use to actually make you know make good of this transfer window. He seems like a nice guy. I think he's a reasonable player. But the fact that we allowed him to go out on loan last summer just to me suggests that, you know, he's mm. being looked at as disposable. Um, yeah. I mean, he's an English player, right? I mean, he's an English player who could command more money than an equivalent foreign player for us. We've also got an issue with homegrown players, though, I think. Yeah. But Where Ramsey going Ramsey. and Welbeck going. I'm not sure that the under-18s count. Mm. to your homegrown quota. I mean, but if we're if this is it, if this is our situation, we're, I mean, Wenger used to talk about this, but if we're keeping players around because of their passport, I mean, you really are screwed, right? Mm. Um, so, I mean, I'd, I'd like to maybe see Bielik get at least a try in pre-season because I think he's a, I think there's something there. Yeah. I don't know which is his best position, but if we're struggling for, for, for centre-backs, then... You know, he's someone who could potentially... It's do or die for him, right? Yeah, give me a fucking six-foot-four beast at the centre yeah. of our defence and let's see what the fuck he can do. Yeah, you know, and he I, sounds like Hector Bellerin now, so yeah. like, he's got a great accent. Where's where is our bar? If our bar has been to give Mustafi 40 games a season, you know, yeah, we can give Bielik 10 or 15. We can certainly give him the Europa League I mean, and, the, and the League Cup. Yeah, he's done more in English football than Mavropanos has. I mean, poor Mavropanos mm. looks like his confidence shot, right? I mean, the games that he played at the tail end of last season mm. were verging on car crash-esque. Yeah, he looked like a guy who, who had very little self-belief, you know? Yeah. There wasn't a lot and of I, confidence there, and that could be because of his injury. It could be because of, you know, how he how he's been, I won't say treated by Emery, but maybe the perception of 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 what he thinks Emery thinks of him mm. might well be playing into that, you know? What do you, I mean, there's, there's a couple of players who were out of contract this summer, Jenkinson and I don't, Dejan Ilyev. Is right? Jenkinson out of contract? Them. I don't what? think he is. Jenkinson has another year. You reckon he's got another year? Yeah. Blimey. I think so. I mean, it's quite possible. I mean, it, I, it just, it, it strikes me as, but it's, it's, a, it's a really... It's a really odd situation that he would outlast all of those other players who signed long-term contracts as the member of the I mean, British Corps all did, those years ago. He did and I know he sign- signed a re, you know, before he went to West Ham, I think, the second time. I think he signed a new deal. But uh, Right, OK. Because he did sign the same time as Ramsey, didn't he? Like a load of yeah. them. Put, remember the picture? They all put pen yeah, to paper yeah, yeah, on yeah, contracts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Chamberlain, him, Wilshire, uh, Kieran Gibbs. Mm. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Um, okay. BK Bekanek 
I think that's how you say it. Or BK, I, I don't know how to say it. Sorry, Bacanexk, if that's not how you say it. Uh, do you think it's part of Emery's style to always get it to the fullbacks, or do you think it was just part of his pragmatism? If so, do you think it was uh, his fault... Uh, or a fault of his to rely on a technically less capable player and young, inexperienced player to provide for the strikers towards the end of the season. I assume he means Ainsley Maitland-Niles on the right-hand side and Kolasinac mm. on the left, I guess. I mean, do I, do I think that Unai Emery, that's what Unai, that's what Unai think is, is, is the best way for Arsenal to play football? No. I, I, I'm sure he has bigger and better designs on, on, on us winning games in different ways. But we definitely got very reliant that, on, on that style for, for some reason. Um, because it worked for a while. Well, I guess it did, yeah. I mean, I, 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 we seemed for a, a small period of time to tighten up a little bit of the back and, and, and you can't really deploy Kolasinac in a four because he's rubbish at defending, which is a bit of a problem if you're going to be a left-back. And he... Obviously, has a good shot. He's quite pacey. He's very physical, so he can, you know, quite bullish going down the touchline. Um, but it was always down that. It always felt like it was down one side. It didn't feel like we were balanced and we had that same capability on both sides. At the beginning of the season, it felt like when Bellerin was playing, he had something like six assisted, and he in the first half of the season, which actually ended up not really being matched by even Mesa Özil. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean. It, it, it just felt to me like having isolated two of our best central midfielders in Ramsey and Ozil, we were bypassing our midfield, which isn't a really very sensible way of playing football, I don't think. Mm. Um, I, I really hope that we don't just revert to this idea that we need to play kind of FIFA-esque football and get down the wings, do a pullback and hope someone kicks it in. I'd like us to have a bit yeah. of a balance in our play. Yeah. But then I, if we do bring in someone like Kieran Tierney, for example... And he's, you know, got a pretty decent assist record. He's very good at crossing the ball in. We don't really have anyone who can head the ball. So, you know, it's not like we're bringing in Andy Robertson and he's got, you know, whoever it is up there who heads the ball in for Liverpool. Who does that? Uh, Firmino, maybe? I don't know. I'm not even sure now. I'm starting to have second. Van Dijk always seemed to be the one up there. Um, I don't know. I'm just... I, uh, he obviously doesn't trust Kolasinac. Otherwise, we wouldn't be tracing Tierney. Yeah. Well, I think he doesn't trust Kalasinac as a left back. He certainly doesn't. Um, and I think the fact that we're after a very, a very good left fullback means that we're going to play with a back four. Some stuff breaking on Twitter this evening. Uh, Arsenal have not reached an agreement to sign William Saliba. Spurs are due to make an offer in the next few hours. Ah, this is this from is, this is it now. This is this, our life. Yeah, this is from one of those, um, uh, you know, one of the French football experts, Mohamed mm. Boufassi or Bouhafsi or one of those guys uh, who works for RMC Sport. Who knows? Right. Is this happening? Is it shithousery? Should we care? I don't know. I don't think it's worth losing sleep over at the moment. No, I mean, he's I 18 years old. Fuck mm. it. Like, I mean, he could be rubbish. We could uh, ruin him yeah. immediately. We've done it before. We, we could, could do it again. We could. Hello, William Giroux. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burn the ashes. Do you seriously think Emery will last more than three seasons? Are we seeing a change in direction with Freddie's appointment? Do I think it'll last more than three seasons? No. Are we seeing a change in direction with Freddie's appointment? Perhaps. I think I think a lot of the decisions that Arsenal are making or potentially making in terms of rebuilding from within mm. are what did um Vinay say? Cost effective? Mm. Cost effective. So that I could mean, be that could be that. Do you think Unai Emery is concerned about someone like Freddie Lundberg getting a position which is closer to him? Maybe. I think it would be natural if, you know, if people are positioning Freddie as a potential successor and you're the guy in charge. I, I do wonder about the dynamics of that, you know? I, do, I really yeah. do, because it, it's just human nature, isn't it? You see a guy who's potentially going to get your job if you don't do your job well enough and at the same time you're supposed to work alongside him in peace and harmony and and everything Mm. else i'm not saying emery wouldn't and i'm not saying freddie would do anything to undermine unai emery but uh, you know as a as a situation in any other workplace you'd be going hmm well, exactly. That's not I mean, ideal. Steve Bold was a very kind of passive character to a certain extent. I mean, I know that he, you know, mm. loves the club and he's been there a long time, but he was never pushing to be, you know, the manager. He was never pushing for the top job. No. It's not really his style. Whereas Freddie, you can't you can't really tell. I mean, he's not been around for, for that long, but he had the gumption to leave Arsenal to go and take a job in the Bundesliga with Andres Jonker. I think he's a determined guy. I think he sees himself as a as a first team manager. And I think for him, this is the easiest route to get to the top of the game. Mm. Yeah, it would be. I mean, what a big job it would be for him. But, you know, I, there's something there's something about him as a coach which is very interesting and intriguing. I think there's, you know, there's Edu coming back in. If we are going to look on the bright side and look for people who, who sort of understand the club and have been part of the club when it was at its most successful and at its most mm. respective uh, respected and at its most attractive, you know, there's a there's a, a guy called Dennis Bergkamp out there, not doing very much at this moment in time, who could come back in and, you know, bring something to imagine you're a a youth player at at Arsenal or any player at Arsenal and you're being coached by Dennis Bergkamp. You know, let's you know maybe that's I mean, the direction a, we're going in. Sorry. I mean sorry to butt in there. Not at all. There's a there's a situation with Dennis Bergkamp where he needs. I think he needs to get back in. I mean, Dennis Bergkamp is a legend, but he's a legend who is, in, you know, he's getting older, and you kind of want that legend to be brought in now so that that story can be transferred. Because I kind of feel like you leave it another five years, and Dennis Bergkamp, these kids won't really have heard of him. 
Does that sound bad? It does sound bad. I'm not sure I, I really go with that because, you know, everybody will have heard of Dennis Bergkamp. You know, if you're coming through at Arsenal, you'll, you'll know who Dennis Bergkamp is. But, okay. but I, I, I take your point in that some of them might have experienced him, you know, as a player. Although it's quite a long time since he retired, isn't it? 2006? Oh. Well, he left Arsenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 13 years ago, right? 13 years. We'll have players coming into the first team this season who will have been four or five when he retired. Mm. And who would have no memory I, of seeing him in, well, in yeah, the flesh. Exactly. I mean, obviously yeah. there's a statue at the front, but I mean... Yeah. Statue with a big pole up his bum, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, okay, here is uh, one from Matt Sanasi. Matt Sanasi, if you could only have one incoming and outgoing transfer this window, who would they be? No, Matt. No, I refuse to countenance that as a, a potential outcome. So I can't even begin to, to start thinking about that question. Imagine if we only had one, imagine if we only signed one player and we only sold one player and like, oh no, Jesus Christ, it would be mayhem. Mayhem. I mean, you mayhem. could placate me by selling Mustafi and then, you know. Signing who? Messi. I don't know. Yeah, okay, like, no, yeah, fine. No, <laughs> Mustafi goes and someone comes in. No, it wouldn't mm. be a successful window, but yeah. we'd be considerably stronger. Yeah. Um, Klaus Faust says, uh, what have been your favourite Lacazette and Aubameyang goals for Arsenal? Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Lacazette, I reckon, maybe the... Either the goal against Spurs at home or the equaliser against Liverpool, mm -hmm. which, which was a cracking goal. Aubameyang, I actually, you know what? His whole performance against Valencia was unbelievable. Um, I that was that will for me register as one of the best individual performances I've seen from an Arsenal player. Like it felt like a kind of Thierry Henry esque. I'm pulling everybody else yeah. my direction kind of performance. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think about it. I can't I can barely remember he blocked out last season already <laughs> Lacazette goals I think he's he scored or was it in his first season maybe he scored one right at the near post where he just belted it right in the roof of the net he scored a few like that I think but I can't remember mm. who it was against it was one maybe against Cardiff last season similar kind of thing he was outside the, the goalkeeper's near post and he just smashed a shot I think Lacazette or Aubameyang rather the, the one against Spurs the first time yeah. shot with the Ramsey flick or that was a great goal. the one against Leicester where he just finished off that amazing move. Mm, yeah, That decent. was a good one. East Lower, the man from East Lower says, um, uh, when pop synth legend Howard Jones sang in his seminal hit new song that he didn't want to be laden down by the Doom crew, was he referring to Arsenal Twitter? Hi, Jim. Uh, he might have been. I'm not sure listening to this podcast is going to do him any favours. I mean, we've been quite down on everything, haven't we? What, do you think Howard Jones is listening to this podcast? I doubt he is. <laughs> Why not? Well, that would be great. Be well, I mean, yeah, we do um, we do have our share of, of uh, 80s pop icons who listen to this podcast. Hello to Wang Chung. Uh, what, I, what I love is that actually now there's so few people who probably listen to this podcast who actually existed in the 80s. 
Wow, that's something. I mean, I did. I, I, ex- did, I existed. You, I, in I the feel 80s. like you're a, you, you pitched to a young market. <laughs> it must be my youthful exuberance and lack yeah. of cynicism. Uh, Liney, regarding Orney's tweet on a scale of one to ten, how unnecessary of, uh, was it of him to mention our failure to qualify for the Champions League as a prohibiting factor for maybe making a realistic bid for Wilfred Zaha? That hurt a lot. He was only <laughs> telling it as it is, man. He was telling it I, as I, it is. I like it because what he's basically doing is it's kind of like Arsenal 101. Like if you had never watched any football or experienced a transfer window, when you read Ornstein's articles, his explanations are always as if you've just arrived from Mars. It gives all of the context you need and more. That's um, true, actually. Now that you mention it, that's really very true. I kind of, I think, I don't know whether it's a BBC thing. I wonder whether it's kind of just been like smacked into him that you have to always assume that the person knows nothing and therefore like continue as if you have to explain every minor detail. Um, he yeah. seems like a lovely man, though. It, yeah, I mean, it's it does leave you in no doubt, even though there are lots of people who who, who misquote him all the time. Um, <laughs> You know, about he said, yeah, yeah. I think I, I saw last night where somebody had said, oh, Ornstein says that Mustafi or Emery told Mustafi enough is enough. And it was like, that's not that's not what I said. That's not what I said. But then people taking things out of context on the Internet is such a thing that there are just a, a host of out of context accounts out there. Of course, they're all run by one guy, I bet one guy. Or one agency. I fucking bet you. I bet you it's an agency. Because that out-of-context Arsenal one, um, you know, posted some out-of-context Arsenal stuff. And then it was like, sign up for bet ghoulies and get this oh, 20, right. 20 pound free bet. Uh, yeah, I reckon there's like one agency sitting there just, you know, screen grabbing memes from wherever. Stealing stuff off Reddit and all kinds and then just posting it. You know, for the for the likes and retweets and potential sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I for one would loathe to work for a digital marketing agency that did cynical stuff on social media for no apparent reason. <clears throat> one one point seven six acres asks, um, at what price? And considering the wage savings, do you contemplate selling Kashelny? Is the club obligated, as an acknowledgement of his service to the club, to let him move on? if he wants to, I guess? Or is our current defensive crisis a reason to forego sentimentality and mandate he finish out his deal? I, I mean, I, I don't think it really goes either way. I don't think we're... I think Koscielny would quite happily do one more year at Arsenal. I think Arsenal would quite happily have Koscielny for one more year. Mm. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. I don't think that we need £10 million that much to get rid of a player that, unless we were absolutely nailed on with a really good replacement I don't, I don't i just don't i don't think you're going to command enough of a transfer fee to make it worth saying goodbye to Koscielny this year basically. no no i mean if your central defensive options are socrates let's assume that mustafi is going um because that brings us all sucker and comfort in these dark times uh, after that though you've got holding who's still young chambers if he stays around bielik mavropan mavropanos possibly saliba if he's not a spurs player by the time we finish recording this podcast a spurs player now worth 57 million pounds uh, oh, excellent yeah you know there's only plus 20 add-ons plus add-ons so no i think kashelny stays 
I think we need him. He can't play every week, but we need some experience uh, in the centre of our defence, in the squad, and on the training ground. Um, uh, so there we go. I'm going to fly through a few more because we need to, to finish up shortly. Uh, Totes Bro is the signing of Tierney a confirmation of sorts of the shape Emery wants at the back and maybe the formation too? Yeah, I think so. I think a left a proper left back means a proper back four rather than a hodgepodge back three because you don't have any fullbacks you trust. I mean, the great thing about nailing down a left back that you trust and being able to play a four is that you then don't have to have three centre backs who are any good at any one time. You only need two mm. and give, you know, that straight away takes a bit of a strain off. Um, yeah. That said, I don't think that deal is going to be as easy as we think it is going to be. You know, we're, I mean, I get it. We're negotiating, right? But I think, um, you know, I, I do worry that someone else might come in for him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we we have been known to procrastinate uh, when it comes to getting deals done. Again, 1.76 acres. There seems to be a sense of mutual exclusivity regarding the potential Saliba transfer. He's gone to Spurs now, I think. I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal cannot both buy a player like this, loan him back, and still improve the team for the coming season. Are these two goals incompatible? And if we drop a large sum on a prospect like this, how do we make those near-term improvements on a tight budget? You know, as I said in the blog, um, I, I don't have any real problem with this kind of of a transfer but but we I don't think we can afford not financially but from a footballing point of view I don't think we can afford to just sort of say well next couple of years are going to be shit because we don't have a lot of money we're only one point off the top four this season like the progress we need to make next season doesn't have to be gigantic so I I, I feel like a lot of people are just saying well fuck it you know let's let's yeah, wait and I mean, see I, I guess that's fair I mean I think I think we can safely say that City and Liverpool are going to beat us in the league next season. Yeah. You hope you hope that Chelsea, with a transfer ban, no Hazard, Sarri leaving and Lampard taking over, have a complete collapse. And you hope that Manchester United, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, mess up and they end up sacking him halfway through the season, bringing in mm. someone else. So there's two there's two reasons to hope there. You then hope that Spurs even though they bought Sally Barr and whoever else <laughs> kind of, yeah, somehow don't, you know, hit the same heights that they have this season. I say hit the same heights. They lost 20 games this season. Wow. Across all competitions. Um, and the Champions yeah, the, League final. <laughs> and, and the Champions League final. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, yeah, the gap isn't that big. I do more worry about the teams behind us, though. Mm. I feel like there's more points that we could lose to those teams mm. than we could potentially make up on the ones above us. But we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Uh, Valère, 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 Valère. Who knows? How much realistically do you think we can get for Kalasinac? Ooh. How much? How, oh, God. How much did we pay for him? It was a free, wasn't free it? Free transfer. Yeah. So we're. we're even Arsenal can make a profit on this one. Um, I, I think I, I, I think Kalasnach because he's still what early well early to mid twenties yeah twenties all right mid twenties fine. I, I I think there's a twenty million pound deal there assuming someone wants him and that's always the problem right. You need to have at least two clubs interested mm. and like just one club being sort of interested will just do what we usually do. Go, oh yeah fine twelve million yeah whatever no we don't need a sell on clause. Um, and then he gets the fucking Ballon d'Or or something. Yeah. Um, I I I I don't know that there's two clubs out there 
And also, I kind of feel like if you can't, if you're not good enough for Arsenal at left back and we're willing to let you go, you automatically, you know that he's not going to be good enough for a bigger team than us. So you're basically pitching to a middle market who are probably, they might have some money. The Premier League clubs might have some money, but he's more likely to go back to Europe and they're going to have less money. I think so. I think, you know, something in the region of 15 million euros. Exactly, exactly. Would be around about, about, even though I think he's probably... Which actually looks paltry, really. It does, yeah. It does. If if like, if an 18-year-old, if an 18-year-old... Uh, who you can't even play because you've got to loan him back is going to cost 25 million or 50 million or 80 million or whatever he's worth at this point. You know, if if that's the price of that player, how is an established 26-year-old international only worth 15 million pounds? Or are, are, are we just basing our, our uh, valuation on Arsenal's ability to do business? It's 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 become like fantasy football. The problem is, as soon as you see the player and you see their deficiencies, you know they're not worth the things that an eighteen-year-old who may have all the potential in the world mm. to be a brilliant star. You know that that that's that's the problem we have. We've not only have we seen the deficiencies, Arsenal fans more than anyone else scream about them very very loudly, so that <laughs> anybody on social media including people who may or may not be in charge of transfer budgets at big clubs around the country, probably know that this guy isn't going to be worth, you know, the, the money that we might like to get to, for To him. be fair, I would say that they're capable of making their own minds up based on performances rather than trolling through Arsenal Twitter to find out what, 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 what the player is like. I wonder what this Kolasinac guy is like. Will I watch him play? No, just check Arsenal Twitter and see what they think of him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right, I'm going to go through, fly through the last couple. Uh, ATL Gunner, if Ozil is entrenching himself to stay, does it make sense for the club to eat the cost and release him, both to allow the club to move on and send a message that we're not serious, uh, uh, or to send a message that we're serious about not doing this anymore? Hang on. I, I, I'm not very good at maths, but £350,000 a week. £18 million pounds a year. Right, eighteen million pounds a year, and he's out of contract in. Is it eighteen million? Well, it's three fifty a week times fifty-two. Let's say, all right, that's a bit. Yeah, much it's eighteen million. Actually, eighteen million a year. Right, eighteen million a year for two years. Mm. Right, that's thirty-six million pounds. Mm-hmm. We have a we have, we have a forty-five million pound transfer budget. Are we going to spend £36 million letting a player go? No, we can't do that. But what could we, for example, say to Ozil and his agent, um, see, see who's interested in you and see what kind of money they're prepared to offer you, and then maybe we could incentivize the rest or you come to, you come to an arrangement where you you pay him a lump sum. I mean, Urs was a really interesting one. Isn't but isn't he? that I mean, crazy? Like a 30 year old superstar, basically in terms of reputation. And we're talking about just giving him away to get, to get rid of him when realistic, really, he should be, he should be commanding a transfer fee. But yeah, of course, should, there should be a hundred million pounds on his head. Well, maybe not that much, but like, you know, fucking hell. I mean, not it's not a crazy situation. Free. 
there's something really interesting going on with Ozil because he's really doubled down on some of the stuff that happened last year. And I know we probably don't want to get into a discussion about his wedding and who was the best man and all the rest of it. But there, there is a player who is making a very, very big point about who he wants to be, even though he knows that being that person is more likely to cause controversy. Yeah. And doubling down on it now, off the back of a year when you really haven't played very well. And then I noticed the other day that he was on social media basically saying that he's failed in life if all he's ever you know, known for is being a footballer. He wants to be more than that. There's something going on with him and his life and who he wants to be and where he's going and whether football matters the most to him, mm. I think. That's interesting, yeah. That's interesting. I do wonder where it is he wants to go or what he wants to do because, you know, the the, the flip side of all this is, um, you know, uh, the 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 good work that he does out there and the very um, charitable things that mm. he does and um, the donations he makes and the people that he helps and the children and the sick children that he helps, which is fantastic. You mm. know, um, it's, it's not even, it's not even up for debate. I think essentially Mesut Ozil is a very good human being. Mm. Does it mean that being a very good human being and focusing on that side of things and being a, 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 a an asset to a football club in the modern football world. <sighs> I you know, I don't know how those things balance these days. You know, I don't think we're there yet. No. It's it's a weird situation. I do think Arsenal would like to move him on. I think I don't know that we've got people smart enough or or driven enough to really make it happen. I kind of feel like maybe they they're just going well we can't really do anything about this. We put ourselves in this position by giving him this contract. And unless he is open to the idea of going somewhere else and from everything that comes out, you know, via Raphael Honigstein in an interview or whatever it might be, he does not want to go on loan. He does not no. want to go to no. Turkey. He does not want to go to China. Where would he like to go? Has someone sat down and said, Message, where would you like to go? I don't think he wants to go anywhere. No, because I think, I think he, he made his decision when he signed for Arsenal. I think he basically yeah. went, my plan, as it exists in my head right now, is to be at Arsenal until 2021. And yeah. there's no reason for me to deviate from that, no matter what happens. Yeah. And the no matter what happens is the interesting bit, right? Because it seems to me that whether he plays well, whether he plays, doesn't seem to matter. He wants to be in London until 2021 and then he'll take his next step. Yeah. that That's a really interesting situation. Now, when it comes to like whether or not we're powerless, I mean, if this was Abramovich owning Arsenal and you had a player like that, he'd, 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 you'd swallow it up, right? You'd sack it off, you'd force him out somehow. And you'd get on with things. But we're not that way because we're self-sufficient. Mm. We don't present ourselves in that way. We've never been so kind of cutthroat. We, I mean, it would be a PR disaster for us anyway because we'd screw it up and his guys are far savvier than ours. Um, it's 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 a real weird case study that we're living out at the moment. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. And I don't see any easy resolution. So so let's move on. Um Nornarn Gunner, Nornarn Gunner, rather, um, 
seeing as it never tires to call out the Cronkies for being cunts, here's a question for the two Andrews. How does it make you both feel that smaller clubs who haven't qualified for Europe such as Newcastle, despite having an owner who is widely criticised for not spending enough and is actively actively trying to sell the club, are reported to have the exact same transfer budget as us. Doesn't that drive you absolutely bonkers? I don't know. I don't know if it I, drives me bonkers, but it's just like... I mean, I, I, I would probably question that. Like, Newcastle's biggest ever signing is £12 million, and it was Dwight Gale. No, right. I mean, didn't they buy that guy? Oh, the from Almeron Emer- guy recently. Yeah, whatever. All right, but before that, like, I mean, they they they're not they're not going to be spending that much money. Yeah, but you um, know who might? But they also haven't got a squad full of players who are on fucking three hundred fifty thousand pounds a week, right? I mean, their wage bill is considerably less than us, which okay. allows them to spend more that, money up front on. That's fair. That's fair. Transfer fees, but I, I, hang on, but we've lost. 100 grand on Petr Cech, 100 grand Aaron Ramsey, 100 grand um, Danny Welbeck. If we get rid of Mustafi, that's another 100 grand off the wage bill. Another couple of players here or there who could go, you know, there's half a million pounds off the wage bill without having to shift those guys. So, I mean, we should have more money from a new kit deal as well. I, Mm. I, I, I am slightly confused by it, but... Ultimately, if the club wants to brief that that's all we've got and everyone goes, we've got no money, it does probably play to our advantage if we go into negotiations. Mm. I mean, I'd rather us play it that way than turn around and go, we're fucking loaded. Like, we'll pay over the odds for anyone. Yeah, like we did, like we were when we yeah, like paid we for Mustafi. Yeah, like was like pitching us, yeah, hey, we're going to have loads of money next season. Yeah. And then he spent 35 million quid on Mustafi and 18 million quid on Lucas Perez and 35 million pounds on Xhaka. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, think, that wasn't a good way of doing it. I think that summer has fucked us. People talk about 2015 as one where we didn't spend enough and we only brought in Petr Cech, which is fine, but I do think that that was bad, bad spending. Um, mm. In terms of what we got for the money we spent, you know. Um, when you we think just it- weren't very good. We were like anyone. Like, you see those lottery winners, right? Mm. And they, they buy weird, bad shit. Like straight away because ketamine, you know. Well, there was the there was a fellow, <laughs> there was a fellow in England. I can't remember who was. You know, he just bought loads of random stuff. Like you know, he he suddenly had all this money, so he bought like loads of go karts and and stuff like that. You just don't need more than one of. Mm. Or you don't you need know, any and, of at all, really. Oh yeah, exactly. But you've got loads of money, so you just decide to spend it, and you're kind of like, ah, yeah, whatever, yeah, it's fine. And then actually, you realise that spending like that's stupid. Mm. Well, you think of it, we could have spent that money. We could have spent, probably spent whatever that was, 35 million, 35, 70 million, Jesus, 90 million pounds basically on those three players. Think of what we could have got for 90 million pounds the previous summer. Don't want to make anyone depressed. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Um, Conrad P, uh, going back to Howard Jones, who in the current Arsenal squad could you see dancing next to Howard Jones throwing off his mental chains? Hmm. Oh. I mean, who's the dancer? Obama Yang. Obama Yang's the dancer, I think. He's been yeah, doing some dancing yeah, on his Instagram. Yeah. I give it I give, give give it to Obama. Mm. I could maybe see Hmm. Do I mm, maybe a Wobi? No, I'll give it Obama Yang. Mustafi's yeah. always dancing at stuff. It's about the one time he stays on his feet. Mm. Uh, Sasta Tikau. 
says, is Saul Campbell's Instagram providing as much Arsenal-adjacent sucker for everyone else as it has been for me? I love him more now than when when he came over from Tottenham. Have you been following this? I mean, I have him on my Instagram, but I can't remember seeing anything recently that's made me go, oh, that's pretty great. I, I, he's, he's always one for a kind of motivational quote. You know, he's quite, quite eager. What I find really fascinating about his Instagram is that he's obviously positioning the camera to take a picture at a certain angle. Someone else isn't taking those pictures. And it's all, and then he sort of must be sitting in a public place somewhere, sort of striking a slightly pensive pose. And then it's sort of stuff like motivation, big time, Monday morning and weird stuff like that, which (laughs) he's a weird guy, but you know, future Arsenal manager now that he's kept Macclesfield up. Yeah, yeah. He's laying the groundwork, laying the groundwork. Matt KBH, if you could only protect one player currently at the club from sale, who would it be? Who's your one untouchable? Oh, one untouchable. God, I'm not, I mean, I'm not entirely sure that, yeah, I'd probably keep Lacazette, weirdly. Why? I just like Lacazette. He just strikes me as the type of person you'd, you'd want to hang out with. He seems like a cool guy. He's a good player. He cares. Like, he really seems to care. Mm. I feel like he's kind of bought into Arsenal off the back of... Like, this was the first time he'd left Leon. really. I mean, he he played for Leon his entire life, but I feel like he's comfortable. So I'm going to say I'm gonna say Lacazette. Maybe, I mean, Bellerin would give him a... Mm. You know, be a close second. Okay, fair enough. Jenkinson for me. Um, final one, <laughs> final one uh, from Chris. What trite c- uh, quotes do you expect from the club if, when, slash if, we only make one decent signing this summer? You should score each other on the quality of your bullshit speak. You want to go first or will I go first? I'm going to let you go first. Well, I think we were very aware that the market was a difficult place this summer. And we were focused on ensuring that the quality of the players we brought in was superior to the quality of the players that we already had. That was our main outlook. And we searched high and wide, and we could only find one player of sufficient quality to bring into this squad. But we're confident that Unai Emery, along with this one player, Unai Emery, who is a world-class coach and manager can with the addition of young players who know what it means to be Arsenal. They've come through the Arsenal ranks. They're Arsenal lads through and through this spirit, this never say die, this never in doubt, Peter Hill would DNA running through these boys will see us back to where we belong. There you go. That was pretty good. All right. That, was, that, that could actually be a voiceover for like a, <laughs> a, a club montage as they do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We will get, you know, I don't think the two guys that we have, um, Sanyehi and, and Vinay, I don't think they're capable of talking in, in anything other than corporate bullshit. bullshit you yeah. Know? I was going to go for something really simple. Like what? If there's anything we've learned from January, it's that signing players is overrated. (laughs) 
Yeah, look at look at what Dennis Suarez did. You want us you want us to do more of that? What's wrong you with you people? You want us to spend more money buying <laughs> exotic players? For Not for us. Second, We've no. learned. We're ahead of the game. At last, we're. <laughs> Always ahead of the game. We'll never sign anyone ever again. We'll grow our own players in a test tube. Together, That's Arsenal. real Arsenal DNA. We will pluck our fruits from the Arsenal garden. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, well, look, we've gone through it all, Andrew. Thank you very much uh, for your time. And uh, best of luck with the, the podcast in the glass room with the one microphone. I can Thank offer you. some advice here on this, but uh, uh, thanks for being here and uh, we'll catch up soon. Oh, it was much fun. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter at A. Allen Sport, at A. Allen Sport, and of course, doing stuff over on Arsblog News as well, not to mention the podcast, which you can find at leftfieldpodcast.com. So check that out if you've got room in your podcast roster. I mean, who, who, who has too many podcasts? Nobody. That's who. There might be too many podcasts, but as a listener, you definitely don't have too many. So so check it out. Right. What else is there to look ahead to? Well, nothing. I don't mean that what lies ahead and in front of us as a species is a dark hole in which all our hopes and dreams and aspirations and perhaps existence uh, will fall into. I just mean there's no arsenal this weekend. There's no Arsenal for another few weekends, of course, but we are going to be playing preseason games pretty soon. I think the 6th of July is our first game, maybe against Boreham Wood, um, that traditional season opener. That will be mostly uh, under 18, under 23 players in that one. And then, of course, there is the the U.S. tour beginning in Los Angeles onto Charlotte, then Washington, D.C. Um, and after that, we've got games uh, in France. We've got the game against Barcelona. I think we've got a game against Barnett. So before you know it, matches and football and all that will be upon us and who knows what kind of a squad we are going to have if you want to keep up with Arsenal in America uh, with exclusive tour diary stuff and uh, some podcasts and maybe some video stuff too if I can figure out how to work a camera uh, you can join me on Patreon I'll be doing a lot of that stuff on Patreon patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. You also get like all the content that we've got there already. You get the Arscast and Arscast Extra ad-free. There's a free audio book download as well if you join up. And of course, it does help support everything that we do on the site. We are redeveloping our apps, by the way. There's an exciting development. It's not quite there yet, but I think we're in beta testing mode or certainly about to get underway in beta testing mode for the iOS version. And one of the benefits of that, for example, is that you're going to be able to log in with Patreon. If you're a Patreon member, you'll be able to log into the app with your Patreon account details and get the uh, the app and, and everything on it ad-free. So that's one of the benefits that you get. Um, uh, but the apps are going to get a redevelopment, all the notifications, and we're working on those things as well. That's what your support helps us do. So thank you very much indeed. We really do appreciate it. As always, appreciate you listening as well. James and I will be here on Monday. We are going to have... I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll talk about whatever happens over the weekend, which player we nearly sign or which player we don't nearly sign or which player we don't sell. We'll talk about that. And I'm pretty sure there are going to be some magpie facts in there too. This has been the uh, the development of the summer, if you like. The magpieification of the Arsecast Extra. Tune in on Monday for more of that, I'm sure. So until then, have yourselves a great weekend. The sun is shining. Get out there, enjoy it if you can, and I'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers, bye-bye. 
Welcome back to Sky Sports News and we go straight across to the Emirates where it appears that Arsenal have made their first signing of the summer. Let's cross to our reporter Nick Flange. Nick. Incredible news here from the Emirates. Yes, indeed, Arsenal have made their first signing of the summer from French League de side Betty Bleu. They have captured 19-year-old central defender Jean-Pierre Pierpion. Now, Pierpion is a French under-21 international, very highly rated. Some of Pierpion's coaches tell me that he could definitely go on and play for the French national side within the next 12 months. Is he going to bolster the Arsenal defence next season? Is he bollocks? Arsenal have loaned him back to Petit Bleu for three seasons despite paying a transfer fee of £42 million up front all in one go. They've actually had to take out a second mortgage on the Emirates Stadium. They did go to Stan Kroenke looking for some funds, but he said, ha 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 ha, but in an American accent. There is some good news though for the Arsenal faithful. When it comes to next season and the centre of their defence, German international Skodran Mustafi has signed a new five-year contract and... Uh, I'd better go here. There is a, a massive crowd that has just appeared all of a sudden and they appear to have weapons. Back to you in studio. Exciting times at the Emirates. We are going to take a break here on Sky Sports News. When we return, Phil Neville explains why the Women's World Cup trophy should be named after him. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.